Guys, welcome to another huge episode of Triggered. We have a lot to get into tonight. We'll be exposing the swamp's endless war machine and their desire to just keep us at war in perpetuity. The open border disasters around the world will address some of that and so much more. We'll be joined by co-host of War Room, Natalie Winters, who's been doing major reports on all of this stuff. So guys, make sure you're liking, you're sharing, you're subscribing, you're downloading the Rumble app so you never miss an episode. You're not gonna get this kind of content from the mainstream media. Big tech is gonna do whatever they can to suppress it. So we have you to be able to get the message out. I suggest you do it, unless you don't wanna win. That said, I think the facts are on our side, so if we keep going, uh, we're going to make it happen, but it's you guys that make that happen. And remember, you can also find these episodes on Spotify after the show. We'll download them there. So if you get your sort of podcasts, uh, you know, when you're driving or while whatever, make sure you check it out. Uh, and also the big stories we're covering, you can also find on MXM News. Go to MXMNews.com, like MXM Minute by Minute. Uh, it gives you all the top stories. It's a news app. That's the one that we got debanked uh, by PNC Bank uh, six months ago, uh, whatever that was, uh, because we actually will show you all of the stories and allow you to decide for yourself. But that'll give you the top stories to help cut through some of the clutter. Uh, shows you the news from a variety of sources. You can see both sides, not just the side that big tech wants you to see. Um, and I think you can draw your own conclusion. Uh, I'm happy to show you both sides uh, of the story because I know what the conclusions will be if you're actually made aware that there is a side other than the narrative of the MSM. So check out MXM News, uh, and I think you'll really like it. So with that, let's get to some of the top headlines uh, of the week. It's time that everyone realizes that open borders are going to destroy our country. Uh, Here's what London looked like this past weekend, folks. Check it out and watch. Looks wonderful. Remember, folks, we're told that diversity is our strength. And thousands of people were in the streets of London chanting about destroying Israel. I saw clips today of a Jewish woman being beaten mercilessly in the London subway. This is in the United Kingdom, the same country that puts people in jail for tweeting the wrong pronouns. Mean tweets are illegal in London, okay? If you misgender someone, they will put you in jail for up to two years, even if the dude is clearly a dude. But chanting about killing Jews? Just fine, folks. That's freedom of speech there because it doesn't exist. This is the result of England taking in an endless stream of refugees. Open borders destroy nations. In case you missed the sarcasm a couple seconds ago, diversity is not our strength, okay? It hasn't been. Just look to any one of the countries that has allowed for unfettered migration. It's not a coincidence that the only change is that rape statistics go up by thousands of percent. You don't just get their food and their culture 
And not all cultures are created equally, folks. You get the bad stuff too, because in all fairness, they're not exactly sending their best. Center Square just reported that more than 10 million people have been reported illegally entering in the United States since Joe Biden took office in January of 2021. 10 million people. I mean, think about that, folks. It's like 3% of our population, okay? The greatest number in history of any administration. No vetting, no anything. People on terror are watch lists. The illegals are coming from all over the world. Border Patrol has caught migrants from places like Iran and Afghanistan. I'm sure that'll work out well when the sleeper cells get activated. And you know they're here, and you know they've spent a lot of money to get through the border. They're not the ones getting caught, though some of them have been caught on the terror watch list. Just look at this recent video of illegals at the border preying on Muslim prayer mats. guys share your values? You know, I know a lot of great people from the Middle East, hardworking businessmen, but those are the ones that stay. The others are looking to export a lot of that insanity. You think they're going to assimilate nicely, just like they did in London? You think they're going to assimilate nicely like they did in Paris or Sweden? No. In any of those places, the unchecked migration and immigration has been a complete and total disaster. There's been no assimilation. They want those people where they migrated to to assimilate to their insanity. Just look at the crime statistics. It's all you have to do. Just look at the riots. You think that's going to not happen here? You think we're going to be the exception? You think it's going to be different here this time? Or whatever the leftist lunatics will tell you? Or the people in the Ivy League who are cheering for Hamas, butchering Innocent women and children in the streets? <laughs> you think that's going to end well here? If you do, you're an idiot. We have to secure our borders. We have to deport the millions of illegal immigrants in this country. Hamas and other terrorist groups are taking advantage of our open border and our weak Democrat policies. Okay? It's only a matter of time till that uprising happens here. It's going to happen, folks, and we can't just allow it. The immigration wave we are facing now is unprecedented. For comparison, the equivalent of an entire population of Greece, okay, the country, has illegally crossed into the United States since Joe Biden became president. The right has already woken up to the reality of mass migration. Will the left? I mean, you hear some of them saying, well, you know, you know, well, listen, uh, we, we want them, but we, we want to leave them in Texas. Some liberals are finally waking up to the anti-Semitism that's become commonplace on the left. The left that has called everyone racist, everyone misogynist, everyone homophobe. You know, turns out they're anti-Semites at a level that probably no one could have imagined. I mean, I knew it was bad because they always project 
They always call you all the things that they themselves are. But man, if the last 10 days hasn't been an eye-opener for what the left really feels about Jews and probably others, but certainly Jews in the last couple weeks, that's been a scary one. Major donors to universities like Harvard and my what formerly esteemed alma mater, the University of Pennsylvania, have announced they will no longer, due to the pro-Hamas presence at these universities. And that's what's critical, folks. Okay, this isn't people saying that Palestinian women and children should have a right to exist. No one's arguing that. They're literally cheering Hamas, a terror organization that has its people and uses them as human shields, that sets up their missile base in hospitals and mosques, in kindergartens, okay, whose leadership turns out to be worth billions of dollars while their people remain destitute living in the streets, repurposing water pipes to create missiles to launch into Israel. These are not wonderful people. Turns out some liberals, though, are afraid to associate with terrorism. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Coca-Cola, for example, one of the most woke, scrubbed references to BLM from its website after the group supported the Hamas attacks on Israel. It's too late, though. Many prominent socialists are out in the open with their Jew hatred. For example, this weekend, a mob stormed an airport in Russia in an attack on a plane that landed from Tel Aviv. And this is what it looked like, folks. This is what they're normalizing. Check it out. Guys, this isn't Germany 1938. This is Russia 2023. This is happening in other airports. You saw the hate, again, from the smartest American youth has to offer at Harvard, at Penn, at Stanford, at universities across the country. They're normalizing this stuff. You see the riots in London and Paris and elsewhere. This doesn't end well, folks. History, if we'd actually learned from it rather than melting it down, would teach us that. A Huffington Post writer, Dilly Hussein, responded to all of this, that video, by tweeting, this is the kind of welcome all Israelis should be receiving at the airports of Muslim-majority countries. Thank you, Dilly for explaining why America should never become a Muslim-majority country. Thank you for showing your hatred, okay? Remember, folks, this started, and we can talk about the history, and we understand that that's there, but this started when paragliders flew out of the sky slaughtering women and children with machine guns, cutting their heads off, putting them in ovens, okay? We saw that. We saw one writer who actually was published by the New York Times literally write, did they use baking soda? They're not even pretending anymore, folks. We need to focus on protecting our country right now. There are many that are trying to take advantage of the current crisis to draw America into a war in both the Ukraine and the Middle East. So we're clear, 
I'm for no more wars. I'm not for funding other people's wars indefinitely to enrich the military-industrial complex and a few jokers in Washington, D.C. I'm for putting America first, for taking care of ourselves, for protecting ourselves from this insanity. And so is the entire Republican base. Okay? I just spoke at an event in Illinois this week and to a crowd of more than a thousand people. I asked them, as I've done countless times over the last six months, if funding Ukraine, another never-ending war, was a top one, three, or ten priority, not one person, not one person in the crowd of a thousand raised their hands to say that Ukraine funding was a top 10 priority. But that doesn't stop Mitch McConnell and others in Washington, D.C. from saying it's the number one issue. Now, I understand Mitch has probably never met an actual Republican voter, someone who isn't a billionaire donor class or from the swamp or uni party. I do this all the time. This is like the 15th or 20th crowd I have done this to, groups from 200 to 5,000. One person in probably about 25 or 30,000 people that I've done this, live and in front of people. That's a risk when you put yourself out there. One person has said that it is a top 10 issue. It wasn't a top three issue. It was a top 10 issue for him. I asked him where he was from. He said the Ukraine. So I give it a pass. In other words, zero Americans of 25,000 surveyed in the field at grassroots events think that funding the Ukraine war is a top 10 issue. And yet, if we leave it to D.C., it's going to be the only issue. The only supporters of the never-ending war are swamp politicians and their defense contractor donors that get rich off the conflict. Because, you know, it's not their kids they're going to send to die on the front lines. It's ours and yours who will be conscripted so that they can make a couple extra bucks, get a board seat eventually, and retire nicely while we mortgage our future, our children's and our grand futures to the hilt for no reason. They can't even articulate what the goals are in Ukraine right now. So, you know, you'd think before we spend another $150 billion, they may want to come up with something, but they won't because it doesn't matter. As it turns out, folks, there's not much money in peace, and that's why they never want it. This is why we so desperately need my father back in the White House. He didn't start any new wars, and the world was stable. In fact, he did the opposite. He signed peace deals, and idiots like Joe Biden can reverse that in a few seconds. America's adversaries are taking advantage of Biden, who's senile and can't walk up a flight of stairs. We talk about this a lot, folks. That's the nature of predation. When people see weakness, they pounce. When it exudes from every orifice in our body at this point, they pounce. It's why Russia pounced. It's why Iran is threatening us at the UN. It's why China's flying sorties over Taiwan. Everyone is realizing how incompetent and weak Joe Biden is. His reelection campaign is low energy, to say the least. And it ain't COVID, so they can't hide him in the basement and pretend anymore. Even Axios just acknowledged that, quote, Biden's reelection bid is playing out similarly to that of the last Democrat president who failed to win a second term, Jimmy Carter. The difference between Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter, at least Jimmy Carter was a decent man. Joe Biden is a corrupt piece of garbage, okay? You look at anything he said over his history, 
You start filtering through the nonsense. You weed out the lies the mainstream media and big tech have either told you or covered up. And you start to realize the truth. My father's beating him in polling in the swing states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. His only chance of winning, of course, is abusing courts and lawfare. We've seen the Jack Smith cases, the Letitia James cases. I think I have to testify in that one on Wednesday because they're going to drag this out as long as they can. The Alvin Bragg case, the Fannie Willis case, and now a group of leftist radicals are trying to remove my father from the ballot in Colorado. Their case is a joke. Today they call their star witness Eric Swalwell. <laughs> Seriously. Congressman Eric Swalwell, the guy who lied about Russia collusion, uh, the guy that seemingly got pegged by a Chinese spy, the guy who shat himself on live television is the star witness in this 14th Amendment case. I'm sure it will go well. Swalwell is a joke and a scumbag. In 2022, he campaigned for a transgender candidate in New Hampshire. Swalwell's friend, who goes by the name of Stacy Lawton, was just arrested for possessing child pornography. But that shouldn't surprise us anymore because that seems to be just fine with people in the Democrat Party. Here's a photo of Eric Swalwell hanging out with Mr. Lawton. They're buddies. The group that brought the lawsuit is the George Soros-backed Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. In other words, a leftist group that has a history of frivolous lawsuits, but this time... They are before a leftist judge who have a history of liberal political donations. The judge, Sarah Wallace, donated to a group called the Colorado Turnout Project, which is dedicated to combating politicians who refuse to condemn the January 6th, what they call an insurrection, I say, protest. You know, the first unarmed insurrection in the history of the world when they show up armed and burn down courthouses, those aren't insurrections, but you know, we should be used to unequal justice under the law at this point. The judge has also donated to several different Democratic campaigns in recent years. I'm sure the fix isn't in, folks. They seem to always draw the judge that is the most radical of the leftist judges in these panels. Again, if you still believe in coincidence, after all these years, I suggest you open your eyes and start actually paying attention. The Democrats are the party of projection. They tell you they want to fight hate, but they support Hamas. They tell you that they care about the rule of law, but they support open borders and corrupt justice. They tell you that they care about democracy, but they want to take their political opponents off the ballot. The new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, should prioritize targeting this politicized law enforcement however he can. Why should taxpayer funds Jack Smith's election interference? House Republicans should also stop the funding of the United Nations. The United States is the largest donor to the United Nations. And under Joe Biden, the U.S. gave $12 billion in 2021, which accounted for 20% of the U.N.'s funding. Here's a great argument for ending U.N. funding, just so we all understand exactly where we stand. In a few days, the new chair of the U.N., Human Rights Council Social Forum will be none other than, wait for it, folks, Iran. Yes, folks, Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terror, will be the UN Human Rights Council Social Forum chair. We're funding the UN 
to give Iran a platform talking about social reform. Uh, Iran, where women will be beaten in the streets if they don't wear their hijab correctly. The world's leading terrorist supporter. We're giving them legitimacy. I mean, why fund these organizations? They seem destined to just try to take down the United States. Now, back to Mike Johnson. Well, a different Mike Johnson. I want to mention something very bizarre uh, that happened online. If you look on your screen, you'll see I posted this meme on Instagram about Mike Johnson. For those of you who know Mike uh, as Michelle, uh, you may... You may find some amusement in this one, but Instagram decided to insert a fact check, but it wasn't just a fact check. It was just missing context. <laughs> a fact check to assure that people, that the photo wasn't actually of Michelle Obama, but it was just missing context. In other words, it seems like they didn't go all in on the fact check. And while it's clearly a joke in the things of Instagram, I'm pretty sure I've never called Kim Keith multiple times in public, like Barack Hussein Obama has, uh, I think if I would have made that mistake a few times, the internet would be all over me. So it seems only fair. But the fact that they didn't go all in with the fact check and just said it's missing context is interesting. But the fact that they fact check it to begin with seems a little defensive. I haven't noticed the Instagram fact checks on posts from homos for Hamas, as I call them, uh, it doesn't take an expert to tell you that Hamas is not a fan of the gays. Just so we're clear, watch the clip and you can see for yourselves. I am sure, folks, that the people I'm seeing uh, from the LGBTQIA++++ community that are cheering for Hamas, I'm sure homos for Hamas will do wonderfully if they go visit. In fact, I think the most radical of that group should go over and try to convince those clerics that uh, they should exist and not be thrown off buildings. I recommend keep it at the ground level because it has not historically worked out well for them. The sex workers union, apparently that's a thing, put out a statement the other day saying that they, quote, stand with the people of Palestine. I also don't think Hamas is a fan of the sex workers, but you know, what do I know? We're living in an upside down world, folks. I spoke earlier about the Democrats' lawfare. They aren't just weaponizing law enforcement to go after Trump. They're also using the DOJ to protect Joe Biden. Senator Chuck Grassley revealed that the FBI had more than 40, four zero, 40 confidential sources providing criminal information on the Bidens to the FBI. So guys, I got a question for you. Why didn't Biden get charged with any crimes then? Why did they allow him to run? When one person lied to the New York Times to create an article about us and Russia collusion to create the vicious cycle that went on for five years, that was enough. I wonder why 40 could do it and absolutely nothing happens. Could it be because the DOJ uh, is corrupt and broken? 
that FBI leadership probably has more on them and they're using that and wielding that power to control these clowns? Because the DOJ not only didn't do anything, they discredited the informants by claiming they were pushing, you guessed it, folks, foreign disinformation. <laughs> never ends. It never ends. The only thing that changes is, depending on what letter is behind your name, R or D, whether there's actually enforcement or not. Just last week, we learned about a closed-door testimony from Scott Brady, who was a federal prosecutor assigned to look into the Biden family's dealing in Ukraine, including the allegations that the Bidens pocketed a $10 million bribe. Brady told the House investigators that the FBI, and I quote, tried to slow down or halt his investigation at every turn. The prosecutor said that top officials at the FBI headquarters frequently blocked or stalled investigators. Huh. Seems a little different. I remember this time into my father's presidency where I had already done 50 hours of congressional testimony for treason, a crime punishable by death. That's like my average Tuesday these days. Didn't stop them here. They're going to block and run cover for the swamp, for the people they know they can manipulate. Because at this point, folks, there's no question that they're also on the take. Okay? So much of our government is too broken to fix. It's completely beyond repair. We need to dismantle a lot of these agencies and start from scratch. The federal government has transformed into an arm of the DNC. My father's going to drain the swamp. The Republicans running against him right now are just wasting time and money. And maybe that's part of it. They'll probably be re rewarded by the uni party and the D.C. establishment one day for making it easy to keep Joe Biden in there. What's a couple hundred more billion to Ukraine and others? You know, if people can make an extra couple bucks lobbying Joe Biden, they'll take care of those Democrat the Republicans later. The Des Moines Register put out their Iowa poll today, which shows my father leading the field by 27%. Ron DeSantis is soon going to fall into a hard third place behind Nikki Haley. At this rate, people will only remember his presidential run for his ridiculous boots, or as many refer to him as heels. Watch this clip for a second. Tell me this is normal. Tell me the level of insecurity it is that you have to wear heel lifts this high. Uh, I know they're saying Ron DeSantis is 5'11". Uh, I'm 6'1". I've done a lot of things with Ron DeSantis. I don't wear cowboy boots to uh, most political events. Just find a couple pictures uh, us standing next to each other when he's in three-inch heels and tell me he's a legit 5'11". But check out the clip for yourself. Well, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. You You notice how the top of the boot literally almost touches the bottom about three inches in? Like, that's just weird, folks. I, you know, say what you want. Uh, and there's those, oh, I can't believe you'd criticize him for, for wearing boots. No, no, no. I'm criticizing that mentality. It's that insecurity. Okay, if you're that insecure, just, if you're 5'7", whatever he is, like, own it. Right? That insecurity on a world stage is not going to work out well for us. That's the kind of stuff that gets us into wars eventually. So... I think it's important that we talk about it. So 
Before we get to Natalie Winters, it's going to be great. I want to take a quick second to thank our awesome sponsors, guys. Go check out Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. I say it all the time. It's a no-brainer at this point, guys. We're at war. Stop supporting the companies who hate you. Support the companies that share your values. I have a feeling you're going to have a cell phone. So do it with Patriot Mobile, where you're putting America first with every call while getting the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. Patriot Mobile provides you dependable wireless service at an affordable price, putting your dollars into action and supporting freedom-loving American values. They donate a portion of every dollar to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. That's going to be under attack these days, given the, the stuff out of Maine. You can see them lining up already, okay? Just as paragliders are falling out of the sky a week later, uh, there's an attack and you got to give up all your Second Amendment rights, according to the Democrats. We got to fight for that. They donated the sanctity of life and protecting our brave police and first responders. So for free and fast activation, go to patriotmobile.com triggered. That's patriotmobile.com triggered. Okay. Remember, folks, you're going to have a cell phone in your pocket so you can give it to those companies whose parent companies, we don't even have to name them, but Big Mobile, their parent companies literally tried to take Newsmax and OAN off the air. In many cases, they actually succeeded. Probably don't want them using your hard-earned dollars. Go to patriotmobile.com triggered. Fast-free activation. It's easy. Do it and stop funding your own demise. Also, check out one of our newest sponsors, Constitution Wealth the Patriot's choice in wealth management. We talk about the Patriot economy and shopping with business who actually support your values. But don't stop there. Stop investing your retirement in funds who fund woke business, who invest based on ESG and other asinine things. That's your retirement saving. Invest in companies who share your patriotic beliefs and invest accordingly. Now, more than ever, it's time to align our investment with our values. That means reducing your investments in ESG and DEI. I say D-I-E, like die, because, you know, the diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, make sure that someone who's insane is managing your money. I mean, they may not do a great job, but they can check a couple boxes. Like, I don't think you want that. So it means fighting the cultural wars with your dollars and helping build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots like you. At Constitution Wealth, you'll work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values, and you'll be empowered to make financial decisions to protect you and your family without having to sacrifice your beliefs. So go to constitutionwealth.com slash Don Jr., constitutionwealth.com slash D-O-N-J-R, and sign up for a free consultation today. Again, we do it differently here. It's not just sign up. Sign up, get the consultation, learn, educate yourselves. Don't just go along, hear from them, understand what's at stake, and I think you'll be into it. So check them out, guys. And with that, guys, joining me now, journalist, investigative reporter, and co-host of War Room, Natalie Winters. Natalie, great to have you here with us today. Sorry for the long one today, but the world is... <laughs> The world is going fucking insane, and we just got to call it out. It's all good, though. It was an epic rant, and like you said, the news cycle is certainly not devoid of anything worth attacking for 30 minutes at least. It's just the world is on fire. We need your father back, stat, 
Well, I, I appreciate it. So let, let, let's talk about some of that news of the day. Like, Time magazine just quoted a top aide to President Zelensky saying that people in Ukraine are, quote, stealing like there's no tomorrow. We've spent almost $150 billion in Ukraine. They are sending money there hand over fist. We've acknowledged that there's no controls. There's no watchdogs. How much of that money do you think has been stolen? And, you know, are you even surprised? Obviously, we talk about this, you know, ad nauseum. Like, of course, we're creating the next oligarch class in Ukraine. But how much worse do you think it is than we, we even believed? Sure. Well, if I had to give you a figure, figure estimating it, I'd probably say 100 um, percent. But I think the only reason why there's maybe some gray area in that number is because this stealing is, of course, going on on both sides of the trade here in the United States. I think our own oligarchic classes skimming off the top too. And I think I want to link that time article, which really is perfect timing uh, for me to come on today to another interesting story that had come out, I believe it was last week, but it was a large Politico profile piece sort of detailing uh, the internal debates and discussions going on in the Biden White House about how they can reframe the Ukraine issue, the Ukraine narrative to get the American people to actually support another endless war, to get you know their support to kill their children for a border, any, any border other than our own. And what's so interesting and really so perplexing is that the strategy that they came up with was that we need to spin to the American people that the Ukraine war is actually good, not just for democracy, but it's great for the American manufacturing base and our industrial base. It's great for jobs here at home. And I think what the buried lead of that story really is, any rational sane person would say, hey, support for the Ukraine war is dropping in free fall. The number one thing we need to do is conduct meaningful, transparent audits to see where the funds are going. Yeah. But the fact that the Biden White House won't even do that, I think shows you that they know none of these funds are ending up where they're supposed to be. And I'm, I'm happy to go through, if you would like, chapter and verse. Uh, some of the politicians, some of the mainly Democrats, um, who I would argue are probably on the, the upside of this trade, that is, you know, Ukraine aid packages. No, it's crazy. I mean, I spoke about that a little bit in my, in my monologue. I don't, and I've done this sort of survey as I speak around the country to large sort of grassroots groups of Republicans. And literally now in like, let's call it 25, 30,000 people surveyed, not one hardworking actual like voter uh, actually thinks it's a top 10 issue. But I have had people in D.C. And like, listen, there are people in D.C. I have a good relationship. I may not agree with a lot. Of, and these are Republicans. Uh, I may not agree with a lot of this stuff, but, you know, you can still have a, a friendship and not agree politically. And they've called me, no, 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 Don, what, what you don't understand about a lot of the money is it's just going back to, to, to your point, American manufacturing. That means Raytheon. Like, you know, it's not American manufacturing. It's American <laughs> missile production. Uh, and, and I'm like, no, 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 I understand that some of that is happening. That doesn't make it right. It escalates. You know, we're sending troops now to the Middle East. It and like they looked at me like, well, like you're, no, no, you don't understand. It's like, no, I understand all too well. You're sent to D.C. to represent the interests of your constituency. I spend far more time with them than you do. I'm telling you that they don't want this, even if it's going to you know, be back pocketed to Raytheon to create maybe two or three jobs on the missile production line. Like that's not what the American people want. And Republicans you know, they're probably not as bad as the Democrats because, you know, Ukraine has become the religion of the left. 
uh, you know, displace, displacing Fauci and COVID. Uh, but even the Republicans are just as bad, at least those in the D.C. swamp. Talk about what you've seen with that as well. Well, that is the swamp that you're talking about, right? They're fully exposed. And I can already see the uh, fact check coming in on this discussion for missing missing context because maybe Raytheon having increased profits is uh, good for the economy. I, I would humbly disagree. Um, but you're exactly right. And I think that there's no better way to sort of illustrate this problem than just, you know, the primary source documents, whether it's foreign agent registration acts, you can see who's lobbying for Ukraine. Um, or more broadly, sort of the strategies that they're deploying. And I, I think for me, my theory of the case with Ukraine um, comes with the idea that what these people really want is to destroy Ukraine so they have to rebuild it because there's a lot of money in rebuilding a country. We know that historically. And in order to rebuild a country, you have to destroy it. And that's why you're seeing these people so opposed to peace talks, negoci negotiations, and they just want continued war. And there's a perfect example of that in D.C. There's this kind of swampy, swanky group called the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council. And if you look at who their members are, in other words, what interests they represent, it's about 200 companies, the majority of which are defense manufacturers, defense contractors, you know, the Lockheed Martins of the world, the Boeings of the world. But what's so interesting is that a lot of people, there are about two dozen people who sit on their strategic advisory board. And of course, they come from, you know, the Bush Foundation, all of these establishment type think tanks. But these are the people who you see in the mainstream media day after day, whether it's, you know, on CNN, writing op-eds for the New York Times, calling not just for more aid to Ukraine, but I had done the work. I had gone through some of the articles that they had written. These are people who have quite literally called peace talks and negotiations counterproductive and damaging. And to link this this all together to make it even worse, and frankly, I don't even understand the legality of it. I know Democrats fly a little uh, fast and loose when it comes to foreign agent registration acts, but Democratic Congresswoman Marcy Kaptur, um, who really is the senior ranking member for Democrats on the House Appropriations Committee, which is a very influential yeah. position, particularly um, in defense appropriations, she actually sits on the strategic advisory board of, like I said, this foreign lobbying group that not only represents the interests of the Ukraine government, but also the defense manufacturers. And it's just a perfect glaring example of how the politicians that we have today, instead of, you know, the I can probably count on one hand the number of representatives that we have that actually reflect the will of the constituents, the people who elected them. They reflect the will of the donors who are backing them and look no further than the speaker election that we had. That was really the swamp, I think, exposed almost as good as you and your father have done. But these people are beholden to donors. And right now, Ukraine is the latest grift. And of course, let's not forget, I would argue a lot of the Ukraine conflict is tainted by the fact, you know, that. I think it's kind of taxpayer funded uh, bribes going to the Ukrainian government to cover for, for some of the Biden family's uh, nefarious business dealings. Yeah, that, that, that seems so obvious. Like if it was country. the Don Jr. laptop, <laughs> if it was the Don Jr. wire transfers, the Don Jr. crack, the John Jr. prostitutes, these would all be big deals. But like that no one in our media, other, you know, other than people like yourselves, you know, but like no one in that mainstream would even ask the question like, are we making decisions that could bring us to the brink of world war, nuclear war? Because, like, maybe Ukraine has a little bit more. Maybe they have a couple wires that they're like, you know what, we can show these to the American people and the Biden grift is over for good, or you're going to keep giving us endless sums of money. 
you know, it, it's scary. It, they're not even asking the question. And then I get to watch, you know, the, the creation of nostalgia for times gone. You know, George Bush throws out the first pitch at the World Series. I'm like, they're like, no, no, he led us through 9-11. I go, yeah, that was like a two-week window. Uh, and then he led us into a 20-year never-ending war. Uh, it, it, you, you just see it playing out before our very eyes. Of course. And these people are in on the grift. And I would argue that a lot of them enter government, whether it's, you know, all the way up to the executive level or even just as members of Congress, because they know it's a very lucrative position. For example, Democratic Congressman Jim Moran, this is someone who he served in the House, very high level member. Um, now he's lobbying for Ukraine. He's making $25,000 a month lobbying his old colleagues to basically get Ukraine more aid packages. And it's just a perfect example of people who, you know, they, when they see downrange, when they're looking downrange, when they're sitting and they're deciding how to vote on issues, they're not voting based off their constituents. They're, they're voting to make sure that after they get out of office, they can get some cushy lobbying gigs, some cushy job at a law firm, uh, you name it. And, and it's not just Ukraine. I, a lot of my background dovetails with Chinese Communist Party infiltration. But I think what we fundamentally don't understand about the enemies that we're up against, and honestly, it links to what's going on in the Middle East, too, is that the, these countries, these ideologies, whether it's the Chinese Communist Party, I would argue it's the Muslim Brotherhood behind Hamas, um, you know, they operate very, very intricately with the ideology of Sun Tzu, right, that deception is the primary strategy, and it's wanting to strangle a country with their own system. So they understand that we have a swamp, we have a permanent political class here that is desperate, willing and eager to sell out this country because they are so devoid of patriotism. They don't think the American dream or the American way of life is worth fighting for, look no further than our Southern border. So of course these people are gonna go and lobby and get on the payroll either directly, indirectly or in the form of Hunter Biden and help boost these foreign countries, these competing ideologies that at the end of the day, really want to replace America as the world's superpower. And I'm not someone who, think, who thinks America needs to be the world's policeman, but when you look at our way of life and you stack it up against what the Muslim Brotherhood wants, which is like those clips you were playing, a global caliphate where Islam is yeah. the way, or you stack it up to the Chinese Communist Party, you know, state surveillance, state capitalism model of just complete utter control, which of course we're seeing here now, it's why the parallel economy is so important. But there, it's quite literally treasonous. It's it's yeah. treason. And the fact that it's legal um, absolutely blows my mind. But unfortunately, the swamp is not going to you know bite the hand that feeds it. So they'll never introduce legislation to stop that revolving door. But it, it really is. I mean, it's a new evil axis. And it's just really mind blowing how in your face it is. Yeah, you tweeted today, speaking of treason, how uh, Biden's Iran <laughs> envoy, uh, Robert Malley, was fired from Obama's 2008 campaign after it was revealed that he held literally unauthorized talks with Hamas. Uh, you, know, I, you know, tell us what you found out. I mean, as you're looking into this, tell us the things that you're not going to get from the mainstream media, because that seems like a big deal. I mean, if if Trump's people were having unauthorized talks with a terror organization uh, and then hired to consult, even after, even I'm shocked Obama would fire him. I figured that would give you the Presidential Medal of Freedom from the Obama administration. But uh, tell us what you found about Robert Malley. What should people know about him? Because that's kind of a big deal. Now, I know I'm not that old, but I have to say, even the fact for me that this Robert Malley story hasn't blown up or been really given the 
I think, proportion of attention that it deserves really, for me, even blows my mind, because what you have is basically direct evidence that Biden's special envoy to Iran, along with a host of other advisors working at the highest level within the Pentagon and State Department, were part of a covert, though now not so covert, Iranian intelligence operation. And this goes back to, I think, what I was saying um, to your previous question, which is you really have to understand, you know, the point at which we are at in the future of America and American history. In other words, you have competing ideologies, whether it's the Muslim Brotherhood, the Chinese Communist Party, or sort of the racial justice and equity model of power and control that is, of course, ushered in by George Soros, who is also linked to Robert Malley, because, of course, um, but Robert Malley, I think, sort of represents how these interests have really worked to embed themselves within the United States government. And while Robert Malley was, you know, stupid enough to sort of fly above the radar, make no mistake, there are dozens of people like him working on behalf of foreign interests. But Robert Malley, I think, is a case is so particularly in your face, not just because even Joe Biden suspended his security clearance after it was leaked as part of that semaphore story um, that he had been working on behalf and sort of embedding agents of Iran into the highest levels of the United States government. But what I had uncovered, that tweet you were talking about, sort I think shows you how, you know, what happened on October 7th in Israel didn't just happen overnight, right? It was systemic yeah. failures here in the United States, and you know, people love to say that weakness invites aggression, but I think the point that we need to reckon with and really reconcile is that intentional weakness invites even more aggression. And someone like Robert Malley is a perfect example of what intentional weakness looks like here in the United States to the point where in 2008, the Obama campaign got rid of him. So we don't, we don't even, we don't want you anymore yeah. because he was holding basically a back channel discussion with leaders of Hamas. And he said, oh, well, since I'm a leader of the international crisis group, that was his old role. You know, we like to just talk to everyone and it's part of my job because all these, you know, euphemistically sounding NGOs, just like the UN, I'm sure anything they do is great for the world, uh, but of course it's not. Um, and it, it obviously, you know, ticked off the Obama campaign enough to kick him and to alienate him. And the fact that he was able to work his way back into the Biden regime, particularly on matters of Iranian affairs and embed other people in the United States government is a testament to how deep this infiltration goes. But like I said, mark my words, he is not an anomaly. He is just dumb. It's sort of like the Hunter Biden phenomenon, right? He's not the only politically connected individual who's making money off of our adversaries. He was just the one that left his laptop at yeah. a laptop repair yeah. shop. So Robert he, he left like 12 sort of laptops. Biden. Like, is there an enemy of ours that doesn't have a Hunter <laughs> yeah. Biden laptop? By the way, one of the funny comments I just saw, be like, you know, unlike Hunter Biden, Don Jr. would not sleep with his brother's wife. If so, I was like, I, I was like, fact check, true. Just so for the record, I don't think it needs to be said. But uh, I, I was reading, I started laughing literally as you, as you were saying this. But so, it, you know, is Biden going to drag us into a war with Iran through this weakness that we're talking about? Because you know, it seems like they have back channels to us. Uh, they're getting information from highest level people uh, who are on the payroll and otherwise who probably have influence over Joe Biden. Joe Biden clearly doesn't have uh, all his faculties about him. You know, how does that end? Because, you know, I mean, they're out there. I saw, you know, a couple days ago at the U.N., literally threatening America on a world stage. If we do anything, we're going to come after you. I mean, this is Iran. I mean, you know, I know they're tough and all that, but give me a break. 
Well, I think if you watch the mainstream media, you look to the Lindsey Grahams of the world, I think they've always sort of been a good representation of where the elites, where the establishment want to drag this conflict. And it's very clear that they want to invoke Iran, right? They say, you know, it was a direct attack by Iran. And I think that that is a dangerous prospect because then you're not just talking about a regional conflict, but that's escalation to a, a regional war. But I think when these people are focusing on Iran, I think they're sort of missing the forest for the trees. In other words, I think what we really need to be focusing on right now is China. And I don't just mean the threat that the Chinese Communist Party is, but the geopolitical access, the alignment between China, you know, Russia, Iran, North Korea, the uh, bad hombres, I'm sure, as, as your father would say. Um, but I think, you know, the, the unfortunate part with Joe Biden having him in office at this time right now, in part due to Hunter Biden, um, is just the the unfortunate, just the, the gravity of the compromise, particularly, though, when it comes to the Middle East, when you're talking about China and Iran and Qatar, which, of course, is one of the primary backers of Hamas. But if you look at how the Middle East has really been, at least under Joe Biden, you know, as American energy independence has been declining because apparently we can't use fossil fuels anymore, really oil and, and that entire industry in the Middle East has been taken off, but particularly the boom has been linked closely to them inking a lot of deals and collaborating with Chinese Communist Party linked oil companies. Of course, it's part of the de-dollarization trend. Most recently, Qatar actually inked uh, an, an LNG, a liquid natural gas deal with a company called Sinopec and people met in, uh, in yuan, not in dollars. So perfect example of de-dollarization. And Sinopec was one of the companies that invested $1.5 billion into Hunter Biden's shady Chinese private equity firm. So there are a lot of stories like that where a lot of the key players in this region, particularly on the energy front, and you can of course link that to the energy agenda that they're pushing here. But Joe Biden is just someone who cannot be an ind independent arbiter of, um, of fact or, or reality if this conflict were to continue to spiral. Look no further, just last week we put up a story, CEFC China Energy, which I'm sure your audience is familiar with, the Chinese conglomerate that was paying the Biden family millions of dollars. They have a track record, not just of selling weapons to Libya and Qatar, which then oftentimes funnel weapons to Hamas, but they were also helping sanctioned Iranian entities get around those U.S. sanctions to access tied up money in Chinese banks. So these people do not stand for America and they're willing for a million dollars, whatever the price is, to really join the new axis of evil that want to, wants to fundamentally rid the world of the United States, right? We're the great Satan. And I think that is what is so dangerous because once you poke the bear right now, that is Iran, I think it's sort of a domino effect. And I really do think that you could see World War III happen under Joe Biden. So speaking of those ties to sort of, you know, American financial firms and China, you know, I know you've talked a lot about Sequoia Capital. You know, what is that and how are they linked to the CCP? So the audience just understands just how in bed you know, our government and or people who have access and our decision makers are literally to their entire financial well-being being tied to China and their ultimate victory and success. Yeah, well, you know, we joke that nowadays everything here in the United States is made in China. And I think a lot of our political decisions, you could say the same thing. They've 
been outsourced to China too. And Sequoia Capital is sort of a perfect example, perfect conduit for how that happens. So Sequoia Capital, um, there's Sequoia Capital, which is the United States Silicon Valley based tech firm. They invest in companies, but then there used to be Sequoia Capital China. Now they used to be together. They used to be one merged entity. But after, you know, investigative reports and a lot of the work that the war room has done, they started to split. Um, so now Sequoia Yes, there's Capital the China proverbial Chinese wall. They're very different, folks. Just, just wink and, wink right, and say yeah. it. Right? I, yeah. it's, it's the Chinese wall reified. Um, but meanwhile, they're investing in, you know, TikTok, ByteDance, um, BGR Genetics, which is this firm that is quite literally sealing Americans' DNA to the advancement of the People's Liberation Army in China. They are a, a very shady company. Um, they're led by someone called Neil Shen, um, who is a member of the Chinese Communist Party. I don't even think that's disputed, but he's a member of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. And this is the group, um, I know it's hard for us to understand as Americans, you know, foreign affairs that actually have a high return on investment because we apparently only export, you know, drag queen shows and gender ideology. But yes. this is a group that is political warfare at its finest. They're set up to find people like Hunter Biden and plow millions of dollars into them, right? Create this sort of compromised class of experts. And this is Neil Shen's job. And I would argue that Sequoia Capital is a conduit uh, by which they do this. But why Sequoia Capital matters and why people have probably heard about it a lot recently, if you look at who they're donating to, basically all of those establishment Republicans that you know you talk about on your show, that we talk about on War Room, Kevin McCarthy really is the poster child for it, have all been on the take um, for uh, for massive donations, political campaign donations from Sequoia Capital. And where it gets really interesting um, beyond the TikTok, beyond the BGR genomics investments is that Sequoia Capital has been using pension fund money to basically boost and expand and build um, China's People's Liberation Army, their defense sector, to build weapons that China is using probably eventually uh, on the United States, if not Taiwan, um, but the point is, is that through the money that Sequoia has been basically paying off these politicians, right, the tips that they've been giving them, um, these politicians have been turning a very calculated blind eye to what is a, a lot of this financial malfeasance. And when you talk about taking down or getting rid of the Chinese Communist Party, right, that's the talking point everyone loves to say. And people love to point to the China Select Committee that we have. You know, I'm so glad we have our 2016, you know, neocon boomer talking points on China being replayed in 2023. But that's the best that we have, at least under the speakership of Kevin McCarthy, to go after the Chinese Communist Party because we can only go to talking points. We can only be superficial because these people fundamentally are in bed financially with the Chinese Communist Party. Whereas if they actually wanted to divest from the Chinese Communist Party, threaten their ruling authority, their supremacy in that country, you would just delist Chinese stocks from the stock market. You wouldn't allow United States yeah. taxpayer funds, pension funds to go to Chinese military technology, but they won't do it because they're being bought and paid for. What's your uh, what's your take on sort of Gavin Newsom going over there? I mean, he is seemingly the first Democrat to actually take down the Chinese and spank them. You got to watch this clip for a second just so you fully. For those who haven't seen it, it's pretty special. But uh, let's play the clip and then I, I want to hear your take. With that one, but uh, 
What, what's it with Democrats? How, how were they not able to, like, stand? And it, all, all the leading Democrats, they just fall over every time. I mean, you got Joe Biden doing it daily. Now you got Gavin Newsom. That's probably the extent of the spanking the Democrats would ever give the Chinese. Trump actually did it. Uh, you know, what do you think's going on there that he's even there? I think Democrats need to just stop doing campaign events where children are within like a hundred yards for, for everyone's safety, children's politicians, careers, uh, you name it. But, you know, speaking of pension investments, one of the largest uh, pension funds that Sequoia Capital manages is CalPERS, uh, which is, of course, California state pension system. And that is the primary entity that the most recent story to do with Sequoia Capital was looking into how those dollars were being used to quite literally build up China's military, China's Navy, uh, all the forces that will probably be used uh, to fund our demise. And Gavin Newsom, I actually am originally from California, currently in California. So I've seen firsthand how Horrifically, he administers this state, but this is someone who, particularly on the green energy front, um, has historically collaborated quite co closely with the Chinese Communist Party, has always sort of had these euphemistic sounding, you know, collaborations and talks and joint phone calls with Chinese Communist Party ministers. And oftentimes these Chinese Communist Party influence groups to talk about how China and California specifically can collaborate on, you know, Green New Deal, which I know the Green New Deal is bad to begin with, but collaborating on China with it makes it even worse. Um, so the fact that he would go over there, I think it's it's pretty clear that he might might just be getting ready to announce his presidential bid if Joe Biden maybe dies. Uh, that seems like the most logical thing that's going to happen if he can manage to survive until the 2024 election. Um, but Gab, but the, the point is, you know, if Gavin Newsom is the best they have, uh, yeah, like the thing I think that Democrats you know, have a very deep bench. <laughs> all the all the states that people are fleeing California to go to, like the number one thing is like, <laughs> please don't bring like California here. You know, California, it's got incredible resources. It's beautiful. It's all that. I mean, they've literally destroyed it. That people are fleeing. You know, what would be one of this? Clearly, one of the most beautiful states in America. One of those beautiful places in the world. They're fleeing in droves. You know, to go to Arizona and Texas and this because of those policies. I mean, uh, what do you think happens, though? I mean, obviously, he's he's out there. He's trying to, you know, debate it. He's debating DeSantis or trying to do that. And, you know, DeSantis took that bait to go someone who's not even announced uh, to debate him. Uh, but, you know, what do you think's going on? How does the Democrat Party pull that off? I mean, it's clear to me that even they look at Kamala Harris and are like, what have we done you know, and that they should have known, given that she was at like, what, 1% in the, you know, the 2020 Democrat primary, like, you know, but she checked off boxes and therefore that's the way they make their decisions. How do they skip Kamala Harris in the event that something happens to Joe Biden? How do they get around that one? Because it seems they realize that that ain't a winning ticket. Uh, they got to figure out something else. Again, I don't think it's Gavin Newsom. I don't think it's anything, given the nonsense that they're pushing and the trans women in sports and all the hills to die on on today's, you know, I, I, you'd call them the radical left, but it's just the left. The left has become radicalized. Uh, you know, how do they get around Kamala Harris, though? Well, frankly, I think if we could, you know, be a fly on the wall in, in the DNC or the Democratic leadership, I don't think that they're really even focused on who their candidate is. I think they probably devote 99% of those meetings to figuring out how to take your father out of the race, because I think they know they can run 
quite literally anyone, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, you name it, um, and they will not be able to be your father. I, I always say, you know, back in 2016, particularly in 2020, but the Republican establishment was so clear, was so strengthened in going after your father. But, you know, President Trump was so expert and really really nullifying, I think, the power of the old rhino class, right? The American people don't listen yeah. to them anymore. They don't care. So that's why we've seen this lawfare intensify so much because they don't have what was the 2016, the equivalent of, you know, the Access Hollywood tapes, the mainstream media, the establishment Republicans to sort of be the turncoats that they always have been against President Trump. So they have to amp up the lawfare uh, as sort of their last ditch effort to try to stop him from being on the ballot. Um, so I don't even think they know who they're going to run. I think that's why their, their primary strategy um, is to just have Donald J. Trump not on the ballot um, because they know they can't beat him. And frankly, you know, maybe Gavin Newsom is the best they have, and it would make sense that they'd be sending him to China because I'm sure the Chinese Communist Party, I, I would actually, yeah. I, I would take back Chinese Communist Party question. approved. They wanted, yeah, they want... <laughs> <laughs> they That's need the to only make endorsement sure that matters that in the good. Democrat Party yeah. these days. You know what I mean? That's the primary endorsement. <laughs> yeah. You know, we want Americans. We want farmers. <laughs> yeah. We want cops. We want good, hardworking Americans living their American Xi dream. Xi Jinping. Like, we'll take Xi Jinping. <laughs> it's, it, but it's, you know, it's, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad because it's actually true. I mean, they're over there you know, doing the apology tours to China and Janet Yellen's over there begging for this. Then they blow off Blinken and, you know, put some third tier, you know, bureaucrat in a room with him for 10 minutes after he flies 24 hours to go to China. I mean, they're laughing at us and they don't even get it because the I, I guess the Democrats just don't even understand how that works. And it's it's so different uh, than what you saw under Trump. Oh, it's so different. I, I always say, you know, the Trump family was very bad for the business uh, of the swamp, for the lobbyists, for the defense contractors, because they had no more war. But thanks to the weakness projected by the Biden regime, and you can see it in the way that our adversaries treat us, um, these countries feel like they just really have carte blanche to do whatever, whatever they want. And I think that that's sort of the lens, not that we have to look at, but I think it's the lens whereby most Americans are viewing these global conflicts, whether it's the Ukraine war, whether it's, you know, escalation unnecessarily so in Israel, whether it's, you know, potential events unfolding in Taiwan through the lens, not of these, you know, isolated incidents, but linking them all together as ways to systematically and strategically weaken the United States, you know, I would say most blatantly from our military and defense stockpiles, but also just you know, public appetite, public support to do anything abroad, because imagine if something happens in Taiwan now, right, the American people have been so and rightfully so just drained of any support for, for helping any yeah. foreign countries that they're not going to want, nor do we even have the resources or funds um, to help support Taiwan, not that I'm someone who advocates for foreign intervention, you know, needlessly anywhere. Um, but all of these events, I think, really, really, really are calculated as calculated, I think, as you look at these ideologies, you know, of the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, you know, I was just looking last night, the World Health Organization, they just launched a new technological platform. I was looking at it, I swear, I'm not a big movie person, but it seemed like it was out of like a dystopian horror film. Um, but they now are using AI and, and data metrics, like numeric percentages to qualify people. They can go down country by country to see what they are most concerned about, whether it's respiratory pathogens, lack of financial stability, 
um, you know, civil disrupt, you, you name it. And I think all of these people are working in lockstep. And I think why they hated someone like President Donald J. Trump is because he was a strong man, right? He could sit in the room with these people and he could tell them how it's going to be, what's going to happen, right? It's the art of the deal. Meanwhile, you have Kamala Harris yesterday when they asked, what are you guys going to do with Iran? She goes, you know, don't, don't. These people are fundamentally unserious, but it's not even just incompetence. And it really is the age old question of the Biden regime, right? Is it intentional or is it incompetent? And and when you look at people like Robert Malley, you sort of come to the conclusion that it's not just weakness inviting aggression. It is intentional weakness inviting aggression from our from entities that should be adversaries. But because of this regime, they're effectively allies because we don't actually talk. We just talk tough on the Chinese Communist Party. Meanwhile, Joe Biden and all of his top advisors are getting money or are somehow linked to yeah. the United Front operation. So it really is a mess. Yeah, no, I, I always use the example on the show. And so the, my viewers will probably get sick of it. But it's sort of the, uh, you know, the Secretary Blinken example coming out of the Afghan war after the atrocity and 13 Americans killed. And, you know, he gets up on the stage before Congress and he says, you know, we're shocked and dismayed. Uh, you know, that the Taliban did not install a more, and I quote, diverse and inclusive government in Afghanistan. I'm like, like, I thought the adults were bad. Like, really? Like, you just, these guys have been throwing homosexuals off buildings for 20, like, you thought they were going to, like, have a trans coalition in the Taliban government? Like, really? Like, you know, if you're dismayed, fine, I guess that's nice. But, like, you're shocked? Like, what are you, an idiot? Like, it, it, they're, they're, not, they're not serious people. Uh, and I think that stupidity is viewed by our adversaries. And it's also viewed by our allies who are saying, holy crap, what happened to America? And when it goes down, Taiwan, for example, are they ever going to actually be there? When, whether it's, you know, are, are they capable of it? I'm sure the, you know, the, the drag queens in our military are doing great things to strike fear into the hearts of the Chinese, uh, you know, Communist Party and their army. Uh, but, you know, maybe not, you know, probably, probably not. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think, as you know, as anyone who follows politics, just even sort of closely, projection really is the, the prevailing strategy of the left, of the establishment. And so I think for all the years uh, that they said the Trump administration is, you know, destroying the world order, destroying world affairs, President Trump is, you know, going to destroy the way we do international business and trade. Uh, that's really just projection because that's exactly what they're doing. They're upending uh, the, the world order. And someone like Antony Blinken, I think, is sort of the perfect example of what really is the unsettling, I think, conclusion of that theory, which is that the upsetting, the upending of the world order is intentional. And why I bring that up, Antony Blinken co-founded a firm called West Exec Advisors, basically bragging about the closeness, the proximity, not just logistically, but of course, personnel too. Um, that they had to the White House. They work on behalf of all these Fortune 500 companies that, of course, hate you and hate people who watch your show or trying to look for ways to probably formally or informally uh, deprogram them. But his co-founder at the firm, Michelle Flournoy, uh, who was also floated to potentially be Secretary of State and dozens of people from this consulting firm have ended up in very senior positions in the White House. Um, but if you read it, uh, about what she's doing now, read the Ukraine conflict, She's advising her clients, advising companies um, specifically on Ukraine affairs. She also was part um, of what was called the Kyiv Security Group, which was a Ukrainian government-backed effort that was trying to get more foreign aid packages to Ukraine and support 
catch this, a quote, multi-decade, not multi-year, multi-decade approach to foreign aid. So my point is, you know, Antony Blinken is quite literally profiting from just destroying the current state or the state of affairs under President Trump, right, by setting the world on fire because it's never been better for business and his consulting firm. Even, you know, these people never register with FARA. Even if they did, I'm sure the numbers would be more staggering. But these people are profiting from it. And ideologically, they align with it, too. But it's just it's so in your face. And unfortunately, the media is never going to report on it because some of their clients are also in the mainstream media. So they've created this wonderful ecosystem where it's never exposed. So it's sort of, you know, it's a self-perpetuating cycle, short of shows like yours and mine. Um, But then, of course, they launch you know, massive efforts to censor and deplatform us. And it shouldn't be lost on anyone. This is like one of the craziest things that a week after Russia invaded Ukraine, the Pentagon here, not in Ukraine, not in Russia here, uh, launched what was called the Influence and Perception Management Office. And we've I've released uh, FOIA after FOIA to try to understand what they do. Um, but it's basically to sort of control public sentiment, not abroad, but here in the United States. Yeah, because BlackRock has to come war. in. They're going to buy all the farmland, right? The, exactly. the women are living in Western <laughs> Europe right now. They've shacked up already. They've left their boyfriends and husbands to die on the battlefield. They're being used as cannon fodder for a war that is unwinnable to Ukraine, despite, you know, I know that, you know, the Ukrainians last week gave a flat tire to a Russian Jeep, uh, and that was perceived as a big military win <laughs> when Russia takes over three cities. It was a strategic withdrawal. You know, it, you see the narrative playing out, and in the end, you realize that the World Economic Forum, backed by BlackRock, are just there to buy the farmland to control the breadbasket of the world. Like, this isn't a conspiracy theory. There's almost no other logical conclusion at this point. They're saying the quiet parts out loud. So, you know, how does all of that play out, though, now that you add, you know, a, a third front uh, with what's going on uh, in Israel? Well, I think it goes back to what I said of all roads really leading to the Chinese Communist Party, right? These are not isolated incidents. What you're seeing play out now really is a quest for or rather a battle between, you know, the Chinese Communist Party worldview where, where they're the global hegemon and all these countries, whether they're on the Belt and Road Initiative or not, but they're basically tributary states, right? They provide raw materials and China controls their ports and infrastructure, or you have the United States model, which while I'm not totally sold on, you know, the drag queen story hours of the world, I think I would probably yeah. take at least at there least are the United times, States with your father in control. <laughs> there are times I'm like, we should probably rethink some of our system too, because if it's giving a, you know, it'd be one thing if like drag right? queen it's story hour was at like a nursing home. You know what? Like I'm, I'm okay. Go speak to people in hospice care that are dying. You know, some old 85 year old dude, he'd probably get a kick out of some of it. It's like when they only go for the children, you start saying, Hey, uh, you think there's ulterior motives? No, no, no. Then why don't you do the other? Well, we just want the children. Well, children aren't allowed to go to the event. Then we're not doing the event. But I thought it wasn't about the children. Like, it, it never ends. So, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have to... Uh, th- there's parts of our thing that I got to rethink, but it's still a lot better, I guess, than anything else that's out there. I, I probably would, would take that that line, too. But, yes, no, we, we, need to, we need to nix the drag shows. But, you know... I think it's important too to to also link it to why they're trying so desperately um, to take your father out with lawfare. And that is because, you know, the year 2030, right, which we are approaching, vast approaching, even for China, 2025 is very important. But if you look 
at whether it's made in China 2025 or a lot of these sort of lofty United Nations World Economic Forum grand roles whether grand uh, objectives whether it's you know the sustainable development goals the world economic forum's new agenda they're all set to conclude to sort of usher in this new approach to living um in 2030 so i think what you're seeing now is sort of this i would argue intentional but ramping up escalation of conflict whereby you're allowing the chinese communist party to really i think assert its its supremacy as we're depleting our own weapons stocks, our own ammunition stocks for the sake of Ukraine. Now you add in the second front to the war, which is Israel, right? That only just exacerbates the previous problem. And frankly, I think the third shoe that's going to drop um, is going to be Taiwan. And I think you also have to look at our southern border because as much as we can talk about what's going on, you know, miles away, yeah. um, and, and even the Chinese Communist Party in their literature and their text, they had admitted um, that they want to open four fronts of war against the United States. Um, and I think the fourth one, or maybe it's the first one, depending how you look at it, um, is what's going on at our southern border. Because even if the whole world is fine, having an open southern border is obviously a clear, you know, obvious national security threat. Um, but these people will never close the border. They want their, you know, cheap labor and whatnot. Um, but I, I really think all of these issues are linked together. And I think we have just enough time to save it if we get President Donald J. Trump back, but if we don't, that's of course a very scary prospect that I don't even want to think about. Um, but I, I just think fundamentally, all of these issues are so interlinked, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's not about you know the Ukraine-Russian border. It's not about what a one-state or two-state solution. It's not about semiconductor manufacturing in Taiwan. It is quite literally about the economic and world model that we exist under, whereby we have sovereign, you know, Westphalian nation states where we get to decide and determine what happens within the confines of our own borders, or you have a Chinese Communist Party style model, economically, politically, socially, whereby state capitalism, surveillance, all the stuff that we've sort of gotten used to now, I always joke that the direct evidence that the Biden family has taken money and done business with China is of course the wire transfers and all that jazz, but the circumstantial evidence is how they treat the American people. In other words, they've adopted the tactics of the Chinese Communist Party. So I guess through osmosis, they they adopted the uh, you know imprison your en enemies and use political lawfare. Um, but we we really at this this moment this juncture, I really think it is is a fight of you know freedom and liberty and the way that we want to live our lives. And we're up against what is, I would argue, this is another show, but a temporary alliance between the sort of Muslim Brotherhood interests of the world that is epitomized by what's going on with Hamas, of course, the Chinese Communist Party, um, and of course, they have their little brothers and sisters like Russia, North Korea. I don't think there's, you know, big of a threat. Um, but just pay attention when you, you know, hear people talking about these issues, when they talk about it, like isolated incidents, talk about, oh, the way to fix this is just give more aid, get Raytheon profits to boost, because yeah. apparently that's great. Uh, for American workers, those people are on the payroll of someone. Uh, just look their name up in Farah. I would guarantee you they're probably there uh, because all of this, the framing of it has just been so wrong from the mainstream media perspective because it really is about um, what kind of world we live in. In other words, you know, are you on the Belt and Road Initiative and just trying to control your ports and infrastructure and just, is China manufacturing the surveillance technology that is being implanted in all of our neighborhoods? You know, or do you live in what maybe, you know, a couple decades ago, that version of America um, 
that we we know well i guess i don't know personally but that i've heard of and that i could reminisce about it, it was lovely natalie you, you'd really you'd really like it but yeah the china thing you know it, you're right it's not just you know the influence that they have over our politicians and sort of funding it that way it's not just the the theft of our ip billions and billions of you know we do you know some company puts billions into research China hacks their computer. In two seconds, they have the exact same technology for virtually nothing, and then they build off of it, and they sell it back to us and patent it. It's, you know, you have the, uh, you know, obviously the potential terror threats coming across the border, but the obvious, you know, sort of psyop of the fentanyl crisis, all coming from China, sm you know, smuggled across our southern border, destroying families uh, indiscriminately across the board. I mean, you know, they're not, this is not like, oh, we, we just run a better system. I mean, they're trying to debase us. They're trying to demoralize us. This is not, you know, hyperbole or even in question. This is all coming from there. And yet, you know, Trump was the only one to say, hey, enough of this stuff. And, you know, everyone else just seems to let it happen. And when you look at, you know, you look at the fentanyl crisis, it makes COVID or whatever they claimed was COVID seem like it's nothing. It makes everything, uh, you know, that the, the left, it makes, you know, anything the left's talking about guns and weapons of destruction in our, you know, the, the nonsense that they come up with. Uh, fentanyl, uh, it, it makes them all look like non-issues if you look at it proportionally and with numbers. And yet they don't even address it. No, of course they don't. And, you know, when you talk about fentanyl, you know, that's, it's chemical warfare, it's biological warfare. And like you said, it, it comes on the heels of COVID-19. And I don't think there's any better example of how a, you know, so-called global tragedy, global pandemic, right, I'm sure was mm -hmm. the wet market, I'm sure it was the bat soup and not the Wuhan Institute of Virology, you know, 0.1 kilometers away experimenting on that coronavirus is being funded by, of course, U.S. taxpayer dollars. But you can sort of, you know, view the Ukraine conflict, the Israel conflict through a similar lens. In other, in other words, it's not actually about the conflict itself, right? Yeah. COVID-19 was never actually about COVID-19 or public health, right? The it was about risk power. mitigation strategies and the masks and the mandates, it always, always was about power and using a so-called crisis uh, to push a certain agenda. And like you said, this isn't even that conspiratorial. If you read the World Economic Forum's literature on the concept of, they call them polycrises, which is very redundant because polycrises is plural. But if you read about how they want to you know, tackle these polycrises, whether it's climate change or racial injustice, you name it, um, you know what they want to do is just focus and hone in how they can just really exercise more power and control, which of course they never cede, even when the pandemic, the alleged pandemic is over. So I think when you view everything happening, you know, from a global scale, and of course our Southern border through that lens, um, it shows you that the issue is never actually about the issue, right? It's, yeah. it's whether you want to enrich the defense contractors. This shiny or object maybe over here. Just yes. Don't, you know, yeah. it's, it's gotten so bad <laughs> This is funny. I just saw uh, Trump Jr. Winters 2028. So congratulations. Well, we're, we, 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 we may be a ticket together, according to- I don't to think I'm old enough. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're actually, you're right. You're, you're, maybe, yeah, yeah, 2048, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll be yeah. fine. But, uh, you know, so yeah, guys, that ain't going to happen in 2028. Not because she doesn't perhaps deserve it, but uh, just slightly, slightly way too young. Uh, but 
All right. I so, hear the Constitution is uh, ever changing, though. So yeah, you, you know, listen. They, they, yes, they want. It's a it's a living, breathing document. They want to change it daily. I just don't want to give them. Uh, I don't want to give them that crudgel because they'll get rid of everything. Uh, they don't understand basic words like "shall not be infringed." So you know, let's not open up uh, that Pandora's box. But so I got to ask you something about. Uh, this is sort of an interesting one. So. I have never actually seen the show Dear White People, and I imagine <laughs> neither has anyone else watching this programming right now, except for perhaps the trolls who are probably uh, big fans of the show. But you tweeted a clip the other day uh, and said that this was a scene literally inspired by something you did in high school. I'll play the clip, but can you give us the backstory? Hold on one second. My show, except he's white. So it's groundbreaking. I thought we were saving. Why is the left allowed to dictate who gets to be oppressed? I mean, if gays and blacks don't have a march, why can't Gordon? Why do we have to suffer just because we were born white and straight and normal? A straight white guy march? Can you imagine the vitriol? <laughs> That's oppression. Oppression. Yeah. These social justice warriors and their buzzwords. Mm. Wage gap, institutional racism. Rape culture, which is a myth, by the way. Right. Why is the left so obsessed with the idea of... Okay, so so what's the backstory here? I mean, it... it's it's great. I'm, it's so funny. I've been doing media now for like three years. I don't think I've I've ever told this story on air. So this is this is an exclusive. Um, but I, I obviously grew up in Los Angeles um, and went to a you know prep school where with my values and, and my worldview, I was definitely in the minority. Um, and my school had been pushing the, you know, you call it DIE. They, of course, call it euphemistically DEI, the diversity, equity, and, and uh, whatever it is, inclusion initiative. And uh, I, as you can tell from my current job, I've always been a bit of a rebel. Um, so I sort of pushed back against the administration because it was so one-sided. They would literally invite communists um, to be speakers, like literal, literal members of the Communist Party of the United States to come and give student-wide um, you know, discussions and talks and lectures. And I had teachers say they would threaten to, you know, punch and beat up Trump supporters. Um, so I sort of just posed the hypocrisy, the double standard that the most important form of diversity is, of course, diversity of thought. So in an effort to try to create political discourse, I was willing to, you know, take the arrows in the back, um, at least on campus. Um, I went on a podcast that was run by the student paper. Uh, it was called Right on Point. So I thought, oh, this is like friendly fire, you know, friendly territory. <laughs> um, I didn't say anything that outre. You know, I was like, you know, feminism is bad. The wage gap doesn't exist. Like super basic 2016 talking points, nothing edgy. And the school lost it. Um, the feminism club, the, the LGBT whatever club, the black club, the, the Latin X club, all whatever names they want to use, they called an emergency meeting in response to the podcast. It was basically like a safe space triggered event because I had spread hate speech. They actually wiped the podcast from the internet. I've yet to be able to find a recording of it. But like I said, I grew up in LA. So a lot of Hollywood types went to my high school, parents, grandparents. So funnily enough, the like executive director of that horrible show, Dear White People on Netflix, was a parent of a kid in my class. And this podcast that I did, it really became a huge issue. It like spun out to all the different prep schools in the LA area. And I was told by one of the, the kid's friends that the mom, they were when they were figuring out that's the pilot of the second season, where they could get inspiration, like if they had any ideas, 
that they had based it off of me. So if you listen to the podcast and you see the girl or the show, the girl talking on the podcast, they make it more dramatic. They make it about being alt-right because of course they do. Um, but the, the lines that they're saying are quite literally like stolen from what I said. I never got any royalties. They never consulted me. Listen, I, uh, I think you should but, sue them for infringement. Yeah. You know, play the, play the lawfare <laughs> game. We got we to gotta do this. Unfortunately, as you well know, I don't think we have many people on our side who are very good at lawfare no, or else we'd be hitting Democrats back. So we got yeah, to get our own Mark Elias. That, that's fair. Yeah, we, gotta, we, we don't do the weaponization stuff as well. Like we actually believe in the Constitution, <laughs> no. so it's a little bit hard. How did you get it all? You got into this, uh, you know, very young. Uh, you're clearly you know, a MAGA star, America first star. You know, what, what drew you into journalism uh, what sort of gave you that that jump to sort of you know be where you are as quick as as quick as you are? And you know again, you talked about you know some of your growing up and the experiences that shaped your politics. But what else there was there besides college? Because I imagine you had to have some of this built up before college. Yeah, I was also uh, kicked out of my sorority. I was in Delta Gamma. They kicked me out because I was working for Steve at the time because they said if they ever had <laughs> a transgender member join. Uh, that I would make them feel uncomfortable as the sister. I kid you not. Um, so I had to actually have an honor board hearing. With you know what? The uh, by the way, just so we're clear for, to, for the audience, <laughs> you, as a biological female in a sorority, could make a fucking dude in a sorority feel uncomfortable. I mean, you know, we just exactly. I, it's crazy. I mean, I, I hate to use the kind of language unnecessarily, but I feel like we do at times need to use it for punctuation. Because that's how insane they are. And that's what they actually think. Like, they think that that's totally normal. It's, it's mind-boggling. Oh, it's, uh, to, to quote you, it's, it's fucking insane. Um, but honestly, it, it, was, it, was what I, it was what I needed. And I, I actually viewed it as a wonderful moment in my life because I remember sitting there in that honor board hearing. I had already sort of been over the whole college thing. Um, I went to the University of Chicago, so I also know what it's like to go to a formerly esteemed institution. Uh, they've taken a lot of money from the Chinese Communist Party. Um, but it was in that moment that I told myself, you know what, like, screw the social, I got my degree, but I was like, screw the social life, screw the frats, screw the sorority life. I'm going to go to DC. And I was so blessed that um, Steve Bannon and Raheem Kassam, my old boss, uh, even though, you know, they're misogynistic, sexist, people who hate women, um, really empowered me. And I remember I once said that to a Democrat saying, the most empowering man I've ever met in my life is Steve Bannon. And uh, their head quite literally blew up. Um, but I was really blessed that they took a chance on me. Um, and I don't mean that in the cliche way, but they really gave me opportunities that I, I think any young person should should be able to have. But I was also, you know, I, I was fortunate, you know, I've worked with a lot of, uh, to be nice, I'll say boomers, but older people who don't quite know how to work the internet and do the research that I do. Um, and I think, you know, as a, a wonderful side effect to working with Steve, I really inherited um, his worldview, which I, of course, believed, you know, from the get go. But I think, you know, every any time I've been in a classroom, we've always had laptops technology in the classroom, which I'm a Luddite, I, I've hated, but I know how to search algorithmically certain websites to get deleted web pages and really, I think, footnote and sort of like underscore the thesis, the theory that is our elites have been bought and paid for by China or the thesis, the theory mm -hmm. that is Ukrainian corruption, money laundering, because they're so good at hiding it, right? That's how the, situ the system is able to perpetuate itself. 
So using a lot of these tactics and frankly, probably like being somewhere on the, the autism scale um, allows me to really dig deep and get to the bottom of a lot of these stories that no one in the mainstream media has any interest in. And most people my age don't have the worldview that I have because they haven't been blessed to work with, you know, people like Steve, people like Raheem. So it really was just a convergence of, of wonderful timing. Um, or maybe it's just that Steve and Raheem are, are so misogynistic and I felt like I need to, <laughs> needed to change their opinions on women. Maybe, you know, yeah, listen, maybe you just enjoyed that. Maybe you're a bit of a masochist. Uh, you know, listen, Steve and Raheem, that could be a handful. So, uh, you know, if you're successful there, you can do a lot, but they're, no, they're, they're great guys and, uh, just a powerful force in, in a world of insanity. So, you know, I, I, I guess what I do want to figure out how many of the rich liberals, uh, who've been, you know, Posting black squares and funding BLM uh, are now, you know, financially over it. They're over their support because of the, I mean, the, the clear ties of BLM and Hamas. You see, you know, half the people that are, you know, cheering on Hamas, not, again, the, the existence of Palestinian people, but Hamas, a terror group, uh, you know, have BLM and all that stuff in their profiles. What do you think happens the next time there are BLM riots? Uh, how's this all going to affect academia, who also uh, sort of, you know, went all in on these things that, you know, people like yourself or myself or honestly anyone with a brain realized was a scam uh, from the beginning but was weaponized because, you know, we're not in a fair fight. You're up against trillion-dollar institutions, uh, not just big tech and corporate media, but also, honestly, you know, just corporate America, who uh, was either guilted or, you know, persuaded uh, to supporting these things, uh, you know, all in. Well, I actually contemplate this a lot, and that tells you what kind of a uh, social life I have, because I, I think the uh, the Black Lives Matter trope, right, the right before an election, let's find one story, fan the flames, make everyone go crazy. I think that playbook is not going to work anymore, because I think BLM has sort of, you know, showed their hand, whether it was all the stories about the financial fraud. I think Hamas is probably the, uh, the icing on the cake. Um, and, and I think the answer or the conclusion at least that I've sort of come to is that I think what they want to do, I think it's why you see the the censorship industrial complex really ramping up because what I think they want to be able to do is really just silence stories like these, right, from even being able to come to light. And I think that you've seen that, especially under Joe Biden, right? Like the fact that we nuked the disinformation governance board by Mary Poppins, TikTok star Nina Jankowitz, that's great. That's wonderful. But that also means that there are a bunch of people within the Department of Homeland Security who thought that that was a good idea. Yeah. And there are a lot of so-called disinformation, misinformation experts who I think really want to weaponize that. And like you were talking in the beginning, I think the left's playbook is and always has been the ad hominem attacks. That's sort of what we were joking about, about me in high school, right? Yeah. You're a racist, you're a sexist, you're this, you're that. Um, but I think they realize that that doesn't work anymore. And I think that that's reflected by them sort of abandoning the strategy of the you know BLM, the racial tension and flaming narrative. And instead, I think they're just kind of showing a little ankle and showing really the true beasts that they are, which is, we're going to use lawfare to just not have Donald Trump on the ballot. We are yeah. quite literally going to weaponize the power, the wrath of the federal government against the American people to censor you, whatever you're saying, COVID, Afghanistan, Ukraine, China, you name it. So I think the rules of the game have changed. And I think that's why 
frankly, when you, when you listen to stuff going on and you read the news cycle now, it's like something just feels different. And I think it's that level of intensity that it's, you know, take, take me back to the ad hominem attacks because now instead of getting called a racist, the FBI is showing up at your door, uh, barging in, storming and, you know, shooting someone because you, you know, celebrated Trump's victory in 2020. Yeah, no, you see that. I mean, you see what's going on, you know, Missouri versus the Biden administration where they're literally trying just, hey, you can't have a coordinated attack against free speech from, you know, the administration in power and they're, go they're losing their minds. Uh, and, you know, candle, it's also why we all say, hey, guys, like, like, share, subscribe to this kind of programming, you know, pass it along, hit the like button. That's how you defeat the algorithms and make sure that other people can see this stuff. You know, we're not, it's not like we're in a fair fight, right? You know, Rumble will allow for free speech on all sides, but virtually nowhere else uh, is that actually real, right? They talk about it a little bit, but they'll still censor or it's still big tech. So there's still 99% of the people in charge are still one way. So they make sure they don't get it out. So, you know, we do need to do that. You know, check out uh, Natalie, uh, on all her social platforms, as well as on Wardroom, you know, we got to get this message out and that's the only way we're going to be able to do it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sure they'll say a lot of context was missing from this discussion, but, uh, I would say all that context is, is fake. <laughs> well, exactly. And that, I think that was great. Thanks so much for doing this. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate it guys. Again, like, share, subscribe, make sure we get this kind of message out there. Follow Natalie, uh, follow War Room, check it out. You know, we're all in this together. Also go check out our incredible sponsors, uh, Patriot Mobile, uh, check out Constitution Wealth. Uh, but also for those of you who are locals, go over there now. I'll go do my Q&A uh, live over there. But again, give your dollars to those who share your values. Go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered. You're going to have a cell phone in your pocket, okay? I get it. You can spend your money with a cell phone company that gives back to the causes that you believe in, or you can give it to those who hate your guts and will literally take your hard-earned dollars and weaponize it against you. It seems like a no-brainer. For fast, free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered. Also, guys... Find a wealth manager who shares your values, who isn't beholden to ESG, environmental garbage, DIE, I call it DIE because that's where your money goes if you're investing with people who are literally just making decisions based on checking diversity checkboxes rather than having people who will actually manage your money properly. To do it right with people who share your values, go to constitutionwealth.com slash Don Jr., constitutionwealth.com slash Don Jr. D-O-N-J-R. Sign up for a free consultation. Learn. Educate yourself. Don't give it to some woke corporation who's literally giving a checkbox person control of your retirement savings. That is stupid. And again, we're not telling you to sign up. We're telling you to learn. Okay, you can learn about this stuff and see what's best and figure out what's the difference. So check out our newest sponsor, constitutionwealth.com slash Don Jr. You're not going to regret it. And so with that, uh, guys, again, I'm heading over to Locals now. I'll do my AMA, ask me anything uh, over there for a little while before I have dinner with Kim. Uh, but I thought that was an awesome one. Thank you so much for your loyal patronage. Thank you for sharing. Make sure you're liking, sharing, subscribing. I see how many people are watching and we're not there with the likes. So all you got to do is click that button. It's fast and easy.
So do that. Make sure other people get it. If you can't watch the podcast all the time, you can always check out the episodes on Spotify. Uh, go there. Go to the Triggered Podcast uh, with me. Uh, download it there. That way, if you can't watch it live here on Rumble, uh, you can see it or listen to it when you're driving or whatever there. So check that out on Spotify. I think we also put it up on Apple. Uh, so if you get your podcast there, check that out. That way you can catch up on the other episodes. But otherwise, guys, I'm going to switch over. I'll see the Locals folks over on Locals right now. And uh, I will see you guys on Thursday. we got a big guest on Thursday. I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, do we tease it now or do we, do we let them know? Do we... Hold off. Oh, you know, yeah. You got someone big in the world of fighting. Uh, in the world of fighting, uh, big guest. We'll have some fun with that. Uh, good friend, awesome guy. And uh, we will see you on Thursday. Have a good one, folks. I'll see you guys over on Locals now.